This week on the Literacy Dive podcast, I am bringing to you an expert in reading. This guest is pretty special to me as she is actually a longtime friend of mine. Sarah Marie knows her stuff when it comes to reading, genres, and supporting teachers and their students. Sarah and I used to have classrooms next door to each other when I first moved to Texas in 2013. We both taught second grade together, and then we both ended up in fourth grade together, still having our classrooms right next door to each other. But it gets better than that. We both purchased homes in the same area and literally lived right down the road from one another. Then she moved to Florida, so I knew I couldn't stay in Texas without her, so I actually moved too. But I moved to Tennessee not too long ago. I know, I should have chosen Florida to go and live right by my longtime friend. But I am so excited to have her on the show. I have seen firsthand how Sarah nurtures students and creates a classroom community who genuinely loves reading. I cannot wait for you to meet my personal bestie and gain so much knowledge and insight from her. I bet you're super eager to dive right in and learn from her, so we will meet you inside. You are listening to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. Learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. With a passion for literacy and supporting teachers, here's your host, Megan Polk from Miss P's Style. Okay, welcome in to the show. I am so excited that you are going to be able to hear from a special guest today. And so Sarah, I've already talked a little bit about who you are, but if you would just take a moment to share who you are and give a little bit of some insight to what our listeners can be able to learn from you. For sure. I am so excited to be here with you, Megan. And of course, your audience, this is seriously a special treat for me. For those of you who don't know me, I am Sarah Marie, and I am the face and the creator behind the Stellar Teacher Company, and I support upper elementary teachers, especially in the area of reading. My goal is really to help teachers feel like they, I don't know, can have fun teaching reading, that they can be confident teaching reading, that they have all of the tools and resources necessary to help transform their students into lifelong readers. So that is really my, my I don't know, my passion in the area that I that I love supporting teachers with. I spent many years uh, working as a classroom teacher, mostly in fourth grade, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I've also worked as a reading specialist and an assistant principal. So, I mean, I really feel like whatever your specific teaching situation is, I really can relate to it because I've had experience in kind of all of those areas. So right now, my husband and I live in Cocoa Beach, Florida, and um, I feel like I have the best job ever because I get to interact with teachers all day, every day, talking about reading and picture books and all the fun things. Love it. And so I'm super excited to be able to dive into ways that teachers can be able to create this classroom community who loves reading. But before we jump into that, I do want to share just a little fun fact of a story because while I have some guests that I might have met at a conference or some that I just connect with on Instagram or social media, uh, you are a bit different. So in the fact that not only are we friends on Instagram and you probably see us sharing photos, but we actually go back quite a bit. I moved from Georgia to Texas and got a job at an amazing school And Sarah also had accepted a job at the same school. And she reached out to me 
through email in the summer to say, hey, when you get to town, let's meet up. So we did at a Starbucks and here we are all this time later. It was like love, best friendship at first sight. I mean, that was what, eight years ago and we survived. Our friendship survived grade level changes, school changes, (laughs) now state changes. Yes, it sure did. I remember we both actually started second grade at the same school. I got hired for kindergarten. And then when moving to Texas and getting to the school, they were like, hey, by the way, you're going to second grade. That was in the summertime. So I got moved into second grade. I'd already kind of gotten to know the people in first uh, kindergarten. I'm sorry. But then I got reached out to with Sarah. I moved to Texas. We went to Starbucks. We both started second grade. But then something happened in the middle of second grade. I was like a month and a half into the year and the, our school moved me up to fourth grade, which I was a, I was a lower, which it, my audience probably doesn't know this, but like I was a lower elementary teacher for the majority of my career. And at no point did I ever think I was going to move up to fourth grade and they made me move it. And of course I loved it. And I couldn't leave my best teacher friend behind. So the next year I dragged Megan up to fourth grade with me. So really, I feel like all of your audience who teaches like third, fourth and fifth grade, like y'all are welcome because I gave, you know, Megan that opportunity to get some upper elementary experience. And that is exactly what happened. I think we, because we just had the summertime, you know, July, August, September, because you did get moved pretty quickly, not even mid-year. It was like pretty much in the beginning of the year. Um, and that I never saw myself as an upper elementary teacher. I always thought I will not teach over <laughs> second grade. That is what I like held on to for all of my many years of teaching, uh, K through two. And at the end of the year, close to it, my principal approached me at the time and was like, Hey, so, and, and then on top of that, we were doing like, well, this came after, but I did like a little club after school and it was like a creative writing club. And so they're just like, okay, wait a minute. People are doing like dance and Play-Doh and puzzles and you're doing a writing club. So nevertheless, uh, they had said, Hey, we think we want to move you to fourth grade. And I'm like, absolutely not. And the only way they were like, look, your friend is there. So it was really, really great. Um, It was such a great support. We were class, we were beside each other in second grade, and then we got to be beside each other in fourth grade. And so it was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. When you meet your teacher bestie, you will follow them wherever they go. So (laughs) and it was the greatest change of my life, literally. So now I can say I am like an upper elementary teacher, but I definitely saw myself as lower. Well, and we, uh, we also started our TPT stores at the same time. We did some conferences together. We used to like present, uh, we did a couple of road trips over to Louisiana and presented yeah. conferences, which was fun. So yeah, Megan and I go way, way back before like the days of Instagram and TPT even before teacher blogs and before we had podcasts. So this is fun that now it's like, we actually get to have like a conversation on your podcast. Yes. Well, I am loving it. And so I know that I, I'm just sure, like, I love our story. And so now everyone else knows our story and that's why it's so special. And that's why you are literally so special, a special guest. But I know that they're here to learn about creating a classroom community that loves reading. So I would love just as you being like the reading guru to just kind of like dive into what can teachers do while they're preparing to go back into another school year to really foster and build this classroom community of students who are genuinely going to become lovers and readers. Yeah. Well, I think like that community aspect is so important. You know, it's like, even if you have like 
exciting, you know, lessons, or you've got, you know, really great picture books, or you've got units that you love teaching. Like if you don't have that sort of community feel to your classroom, it really doesn't matter what is going on. And I think the reason why we need to have that community and intentionally think about how we're going to build that community is because when students feel like they are, they have a voice, you know, when they feel like they are part of a community that is focused on literacy, they're going to start to see themselves as readers. You know, they start to see themselves as like part of this, this community. So in addition to like all the things that teachers are planning, obviously they're thinking about their schedule this summer. They're thinking about, you know, how they're going to set up their classroom, desk arrangement, school supplies, all of that stuff. I also want teachers to really think about what they're going to intentionally do to create that community feel in their classroom. And Really, the first thing that I encourage teachers to think about is this idea that the number one thing that you need to focus on is remember that this next year, you are teaching the reader. You are not teaching a standard. You are not teaching a text. You are not teaching a curriculum. You are teaching students. And I think so often we can forget that like the students are the recipients of our instruction and we can get worried about the end of year state testing. We can get worried about the end of unit assessments that come in our boxed curriculum. We can worry about like staying on pace with, you know, what our school expects us to. But if you're not keeping your students in mind, it does not matter what you do during your reading block. If it is not appealing to their interest, if it's not at their level, if it is not exactly what they need. So just remember this next year, when you start to think about your community, that the first thing you need to keep in mind is that you are teaching students, not anything else. No, that is so key because I think that I mean, it's inevitable. We are we are thrown a list of standards and a list of expectations and a list. Some schools are are throwing. I need you to get this test score. So we then kind of abandon the fact that these are children who are learning how to do some of these things for the first time, and we're so attached to the data and the numbers and not students being students. And so you mentioned a couple of things which. I think kind of ties into this whole idea of like, you know, me just kind of wondering, why do you think so many students lose their excitement for reading? Um, And you kind of touched on a couple of them, but I really just kind of wanted to ask like, why, you know, why do you think they really lose it? And then what can we do on the other end to kind of change that so that students are excited about it? I think, and I think it's when reading becomes a chore or an excitement that students lose their love of reading. And, you know, I think that's when teachers put more pressure on the end result versus the process. Like I have conversations with teachers and, you know, a couple of things that I remind them is that you have until the end of the year to get your students to master the standards. And so there is no rush at the beginning of the year. There is no pressure. And I think when we, you know, rush through lessons, we try to, you know, teach multiple objectives at one time. We try to cram a lot of things in. Our students start to feel overwhelmed when we're constantly assessing them, you know, and making it about a, an exit ticket or an assessment, or every time they sit down to read, they have to complete a reading log or they have to write in their response journal. And reading loses some of its joy and excitement, and it becomes more about schoolwork, which is tricky for teachers to do because I get it. I mean, I was in, we were in the classroom. I was also from the administration side, and I understand that there's, you have to have reading grades and there are test scores. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure that our students love reading. So some things that I encourage teachers to do at the beginning of the year, and these were things that I tried to do too, but just like make sure that you create the love of reading in your students, which means we need to be reading for fun every single day. 
not just for the objective of our lesson. And, you know, even in upper elementary, the like reading picture books to your students, just for the fun of it, students love having stories read to them. And I think there is something so freeing and magical when you bring your students down to the carpet and we're just going to enjoy the story. And you're not trying to have any specific agenda. You're not trying to teach an objective. You're not trying to get them to, you know, learn a new vocabulary word. We are simply going to read the story and we're going to have fun with it. And so I think that's like one of the most important things for teachers to do. Another thing is I think it's really important for teachers to empower their students to have like a reading identity and a voice and for them to choose specific genres that they want to read and abandon books when it's not, you know, something that they're interested in and to be able to read books that don't always have an assignment tied to it. And so as challenging as it might be, I think we just need to remind ourselves that we don't want to make students reading experience so institutionalized in school. That is so great. You've also said so many like really (laughs) golden nuggets there, um, especially with like just the whole picture book component. Like students love to just sit and enjoy a book, whether they can read it, whether you read it to them with no strings attached. I think that's how you literally can can form, you know, students who just don't have the exposure are, are allowed to explore all of these different genres. And genres are really difficult to teach. And so for students to like learn how the author structures that specific genre um, and the purpose of what that's supposed to do for me receiving the text. But I think that like those are the ways that you can still get that genre in by doing those read alouds and just not having them have anything else but to listen, sit back, take your shoes off, lay down, close your eyes, enjoy it. Yeah. Well, and I remember my, one of the things that there's a couple of things from college, which was a long time ago, that still <laughs> stuck me. And one of the things my college professor told me, and she was a first grade teacher. And so I used this obviously when I taught first grade, but I carried it up to fourth grade as well. But she every day would grab a stack of picture books and she would place it on her desk. And she said, I knew it was a good day when we read through all of those picture books. And so basically her number one goal for the day was not to make it through all of her lessons, was not to teach a certain objective or whatever. Her goal was to spend time exposing her students to stories. And she's like, that's how I created readers is I read to them. And so, you know, I think it's just sometimes we feel like we don't have time to read for fun, but the reality of it is, is we make time for the things that are important to us. And so I challenge teachers often Find more time during your day to read aloud to your students for fun. Let them find books that they want to read to you, you know, and from a wide range of genres, kind of like what you were saying. I think about how, you know, me personally, I love reading realistic fiction, but I have had plenty of students in my past that like informational texts. They like historical fiction. And I think it's so important if I want to cultivate their reading preferences and their reading identity and their love for reading, I need to make sure that I am reading genres that really connect with all of my students. So yeah, we just need to, we need to read more for fun and we need to read more picture books in upper elementary for sure. I love it. I love it. And I hope that, you know, if you're listening right now and like, as you're prepping, start small, if you've never done this, just start with like picking one or two picture books and just commit to reading those for fun with no strings attached and just kind of, you know, see what the what the result is, see how your students respond to it. Because I will tell you whether you're teaching kindergarten, second or fourth grade, which is what I've done. um, And then K through five in an intervention role. I mean, all of the kids enjoy a good picture book and all that comes along with whatever that picture book is on. 
Well, and I was having a conversation with another educator the other day, and they were talking about how so much of it is how the teacher presents it. And I think, I mean, and I remember when I taught second grade, my students were so excited about this idea of reading chapter books. And so I think in upper elementary, there's this, okay, I've arrived. I can now read chapter books and teachers love doing novel studies. And not that there's anything wrong with that. But I think when we present picture books to our students as like, this is a great story about, you know, friendship, about kindness, about courage, bravery, whatever it is, or I read this book and I loved these characters. You know, if we present the picture book in a exciting way for our students, then they're going to love it as well. And I mean, golly, I love reading picture books. I still like, you know, even this morning I was telling you, we were chatting before this podcast, but even this morning I sat down with my cup of coffee and a stack of picture books and I was reading them, you know, for my own enjoyment, obviously to like give teacher recommendations, but I still enjoy as an adult reading the stories in picture books. And so I know our, our students love them as well. You and I could talk about picture books, I feel like, all day. All day. <laughs> all day. And that's the one thing that I think that we 100% agree on is like, well, we agree on a lot, actually. But <laughs> that is one thing where it's like a non-negotiable is like, you cannot tell me that I cannot read picture books. Like, I will always read picture books <laughs> to older students and as an adult myself. Okay, so I have a question now. I'm just thinking about... When you think about the whole group community piece and, you know, forming this family of your students who are cultivating this love for reading, and then it's like we then have to do our own personal things, which is like guided reading or independent reading and send the kids off. So, like, do you have just any tips or suggestions for, like, you know, the student independent piece, them becoming independent readers, and then also increasing and keeping their engagement to a high level especially when you are not with them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that my first tip is make sure we're doing that. (laughs) It's like the the thing that I always think about is how important it is to balance, like, or not even to balance really, because it should be an imbalance. Like the amount of teacher talk during a reading lesson should be so much less than like the students doing the work. You know, it's like, I remember when I taught second grade, I did a ton of like reading centers and workstations, but I remember spending all weekend preparing stations and materials that would take my students like eight minutes to complete, you know? And so I finally got to the point in my career where I was like, I am not going to spend more time preparing a lesson than it's going to take my students to execute, which is why I, my favorite way to keep students engaged during the reading block is independent reading really as like the basis of it. And then when students are independent reading and in fourth grade, my goal was to give students 45 minutes a day of independent reading. And then that would allow me time to pull small groups, to confer with students. And Obviously, you know, at the start of the year, we cannot start students at 45 minutes. We have to like build up their stamina, but we can quickly build up their stamina to 45 minutes. And my students loved independent reading. It literally was their favorite time of day. Now, granted, I trained them a little bit and I talked about how this was so special and how lucky they were. You know, so I think whatever independent practice, whether it is workstations or independent reading or partner practice or book clubs, make sure your students realize like how lucky they are that they get to spend part of their day reading books and talking about books and thinking about books. And so I think just the way we frame it as like getting students excited about it. But one of the things I like to remind teachers of is engagement happens when students are, first of all, the ones doing the work. They are working on something that they are interested in and that they see really a higher purpose for. And so we have to make sure that whether, like I said, whether it is independent practice or a book club or independent reading or centers, that students are 
are interested in that. And so I always like to give students choice. And I think choice is one of the best ways to make sure your students are going to be engaged. So if it's independent reading, let them choose the books that they want to read. And I had one student who was a Minecraft fan. He, and you maybe know who I'm talking about. I do. (laughs) He loved Minecraft. And He read, I mean, there was like five or six different Minecraft books and he read these books and he read them over and over and over again. And I tried to get him to read, how about some historical fiction? How about some other informational books? How about poetry? How about anything but these Minecraft books? But he was obsessed with them. But the thing is, he read them. And every time he read them, he came back to me with, I read something else and I learned this and I'm going to take this home and apply it. And I, I often think what would have happened if I would have told him, you can no longer read Minecraft books or you have to read this passage, or you have to read this text. I would have killed his love of reading. And so we really need to be okay giving students that complete choice and letting them know that like they get to choose how to spend their reading time. And so choice, I think is so important, whether it is independent reading, or even if you do workstations, give your students a choice of the workstations that they complete, you know, have a wide range of literacy centers or workstations or partner practice and let them choose. I think so often we want to have a lot of control in our classroom. And the more we try to control it, I think the the less engagement we have. And so choice is such a powerful way to keep students engaged. And then you talked about how do we keep them engaged? I think the motivation piece is a huge part of it. And students, unfortunately, are, are not motivated by things like mastering the standards or, you know, getting a certain score on the assessment or end of your test. We need to give purpose that is beyond mastering the standards. And so even if it is something fun, like doing like a reading challenge at the beginning of the year for a certain number of minutes or a certain number of books per month, or if you're doing an author study and you're trying to read books by a certain author or a genre study or attic unit or a research project, you know, anything that gives students a purpose for wanting to be engaged in the process that goes beyond you need to practice main idea. You need to learn how to summarize. I love that. And I actually, um, I know that you create several resources that specifically can support those types of things, the choice and the genres and things like that. And so we will link to those in the show notes for you to be able to take a look at. But I think that's so key and so critical. And even the whole idea of like using centers in upper elementary, I have a whole podcast episode on that because I think that once you cross into the testing grades, which in a lot of states is third grade, you feel like it's paper and pencil, it's passage, you sit at the table, there is no more centers. And I am just an, I'm an advocate of like, no, like we need centers and you can decide what goes into those centers. That is how you are going to find a lot of the time that you feel like you don't have. And that's how you're going to find a lot of places to input places for students to practice. But also with like, like what you mentioned with making sure that like with the Minecraft, I know exactly who you're talking about. (laughs) And I can only imagine what that would have been like now, had you said like, no more Minecraft, you need to read this and read that. But I think that's why it's so important to make sure that you do have these times of day where students can choose their options of what they're reading. Because when you do bring them to guided reading, or when you do have to use a passage for modeling, because we do have a responsibility of teaching them the standards and getting them uh, successfully through their assessments. But when you do that, it makes it a little bit less daunting for the students because they know that whenever they get to independent reading, they have a choice and they can choose what they're reading and you are not selecting it for them. So if you're missing that you know, independent piece, then it is going to be really hard for the kids who don't really like doing what you're doing to like have that buy-in. Exactly what you said. It is going to be so much easier to help a student master the standard if they have a 
love of reading. If a student loves reading and they feel like they have, you know, confidence in their reading abilities, if they are excited about reading, it is going to be so much easier for you to work with them during your guided reading lessons, during your strategy groups, you know, getting them to do the practice, to put in the work. If you have a student who hates reading and every time they have to read independently, they're reading something they don't like, you are going to get a lot of resistance when you try to help that student master the standard. So, I mean, I think, you know, you're right. We we have an obligation as teachers to help students master the standards, but that's going to be a lot easier if they actually enjoy reading. Exactly. Oh man, I love this. And I feel like I could talk all day with you about reading. (laughs) And we do some days, but um, I know that we could talk all day about it, but you've just given so many, hopefully like, you know, if you're listening, you are feeling inspired about like, oh man, like this is something that I can implement. I can build this community. It is what I choose to create. And you can really see transformation in your students by just allowing them to learn to be lovers of reading. So no, I feel like we could talk all day about this, but as we kind of wrap up, I just want to, you know, be able to ask you, is there any other like last minute tips or ideas that you could offer to teachers um, in terms of ways that they can just spark more joy? You have given us so many ideas and tips, which are so valuable. But if there's any last minute things that you can think of that teachers can remember or try to do to spark that joy and excitement within their reading block, we would love to hear it. Yeah. Well, and I think like the, I think one of the most important things to remember for teachers is that there is not just one way to teach reading. There is not just one way to motivate and inspire your teachers. And I think sometimes, you know, like Pinterest and Instagram and blogs and all of that stuff are great, but we see things that other teachers are doing and we think, oh my gosh, I have to be doing this. Like it works for somebody else. It works for me, but you teachers, you know, your students the best, you know, what is going to motivate them and excite them the best. And so trust your gut and just know that the way that you build a community in your classroom is going to look completely different than a teacher next door. I mean, Megan and I worked together for years. And we both love literacy and we both love teaching literacy and our students loved reading, but we did it in completely different ways. Different Um, ways. Yep. (laughs) I think just remember that, but you know, just kind of a a laundry list of things that I love doing. I love letting students do book talks, you know, giving them an opportunity and a platform to talk about a book that they've been reading. I love student-led book clubs, you know, letting students, and I love student-led book clubs that use picture books and that students get to choose which book club they want to be a part of. I love doing things like reading challenges. I love bringing in mystery readers. I love students reading and then taking action, you know, whether it is writing a letter to the author or doing some sort of like art project or something that they were inspired by the book. So, you know, I think those are just some places that teachers can start with, but just teachers remember that the way you build your community is going to look completely different than the teacher next door. And that is okay. As long as going back to the beginning here, you are keeping your students in mind with the way you plan and set up your reading block. Love it. That is so helpful. Okay. And so now <laughs> as we are wrapping up, I know that everyone is probably like, oh my goodness, maybe they, maybe you already know her and maybe this is your first time hearing from her. And they're probably wondering where <laughs> in the world can I be able to follow and find uh, this person? What does she have to offer me and where can I be able to connect with her? So can you share ways that people can be able to find you? You're very sweet. Yes. And I love, I mean, just like Megan, I love connecting with teachers. It really is my passion. So you can find me on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. I also have a podcast, the Stellar Teacher Podcast. So if you enjoy listening to podcasts, you can always jump over there and and listen to me ramble about literacy uh, every Monday morning. But yeah, jump over on Instagram, follow me. And then I also have a reading membership site for upper elementary teachers where I love to provide support and resources. 
and just kind of all the things I talked about here, all of the tools to help teachers enjoy teaching reading and help their students become lifelong lovers of reading as well. So I'm sure we can link to those in the show notes, but I would love to connect with your audience as well. And this has been just so much fun for me. This has been a blast. And yes, all of that information will be in the show notes. So please head there, click through. You can find clickable links to get to all of the ways to find her. It's been such a joy. Thank you so much for coming on. And I hope this is just the beginning of many times you are appearing on the show. Oh, I'm sure this will not be the last. And I'm sure if you guys listen to my podcast, it's it's not going to be too long before Megan shows up on mine as a guest as well. So this is fun. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Megan. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to The Literacy Dive. If you would like to connect with Megan, you can find her on Instagram at Miss Peace Style. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes of The Literacy Dive. Until next time.